You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Happy Fourth uh, of July. So, so glad to be a part of a country that is a, a free country. Regardless of what we feel or see taking place in our country, this is the best country, in my opinion, to live in on the earth. So thank you, thank you Jesus, that I was born here. Um, I'm excited about today. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, welcome to Renew Life Church. Church family, can we uh, receive the first-time guest? Can you give them a hand of applause? Thank you so much for coming. Uh, my name is Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor here of the Midland Church, and, and we're, just, we're experiencing a lot of life. Church is, church is a lot of fun. And uh, if this is your first time, I hope that it's not your last. Uh, we, we try to do church like this every single Sunday. We believe that God is worth going after as we go after him. And uh, so we'd love to have you come back. Uh, I'm, just, I'm excited about the word today. Before we get too far, I want to pray just to ask God to continue to, to be with us. So Father, I, just, I thank you. Thank you for your plans, your purposes. Thank you for your intention. Yeah, we just receive you right now. We just take a deep breath and we just breathe you in, God. We say yes to you in the best way that we can. We submit our our minds, our eyes, our ears to hear and see and to gain revelation about you that we've maybe never had, God. I think that you're interested in leading us into a new place with you. And so we say yes to you. I pray that you would, you would anoint my lips, my tongue, that it would speak the words that you desire for me to speak. God, I pray that your word comes forth. But most of all, God, I pray that you get glory in everything that we do. It's all for you, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. 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 Uh, t- tonight I want to talk really, really quickly and briefly. I want to talk about the results that tension produce any time that tension is pu- applied. Tension is literally the state of being stretched tight. It's a mental or an emotional strain. Tension is often something that we don't sign up for. (laughs) I don't know many of us that that sign up to to go under an extreme amount of tension in our life. It's something that sometimes I feel like we often try to avoid. But tension produces results in our life any time that, it that it's applied. When thinking from a, a physics standpoint, so I want you to, for a moment, to just go back in your minds to high school physics. Some of you are like, you know what, that puts too much tension on my brain, so I'm out. See what I did there? It's my first of many. In physics, we learn that there are two types of categories of energy, and, and all other energy falls into these two categories. In physics, you have kinetic energy and you have potential energy. And a system possesses energy if that system is capable of doing work. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm capable of doing work. And energy is transferred or transformed whenever work is done. So I'm gonna explain what I'm talking about. I want you to say this with me and I want you to believe it Say, I have energy. I have energy. Say, I have energy. I have Some of the moms are like, I had energy, but that was a long time ago. Long time ago. The difference in these two types of energy, the difference in kinetic energy and potential energy is this. 
Kinetic energy is energy that is in motion. It's energy that is moving. Potential energy is energy that is, that is stale, or energy that is, that is stationary. It's energy that is waiting to be released. Since it's a holiday and since I'm a nice guy, you could just label today, uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're feeling lazy, just call it that you're, you're waiting for your energy to be released. We'll just call laziness potential energy today. It's my, I'm, I'm tapping into my, I'm, I'm just letting my energy wait till the right time. I'm not lazy. That's, that's the excuse for all of the high school students on summer break. I'm not lazy. I'm just waiting for the right moment to release my energy. Some of you know this, but I love shooting archery. I love bow hunting, and so I brought this as a demonstration. I'm a visual learner. Uh, notice that I didn't bring a target because I could not deal with the pressure of missing a target in this room, and if I happen to put a hole in the drum cage, I might lose my job. So all of those things are the reasons that I'm not gonna do that. But when I'm talking about potential energy and I'm talking about kinetic energy, so within this bow, you have limbs. These are limbs, and these limbs, they store energy. There, there is potential energy in these limbs right now. The moment that I address the string and I draw this bow and I stretch these limbs or I, I bend, I flex these limbs, I'm getting ready to send kinetic energy through an arrow and the arrow goes towards the tar target that I'm sending it towards. This is the difference in potential. This, this bow has a ton of potential. And the moment that I address it and the moment that I put tension on the bow, I'm actually letting that potential energy come alive and it becomes kinetic energy. So if you notice when, you, when, you're, when you're shooting a bow, if you're aiming at something that's 20 yards away and you just draw a little bit, it may not go that far. Because the more tension that you apply, the, the greater chance you have of hitting the target that you're intending to hit. Now, since I've bored you with physics and I've talked about bow hunting, I love bow hunting, my, my wife would say, you can't love bow hunting, you like bow hunting. You only love God and you love people. <laughs> well, if I remember right, the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is like it, love your neighbors, you love yourself. And the third one, love bow hunting. So, it is what it is, there's nothing I can do about it. The only thing that would make this more anointed is if I was preaching in full camo. <laughs> like, what, what, what more American thing could you do on the 4th of July? But, but let your prop be a recurve bow. Anyways, this is America and Jesus is alive. <clears throat> Energy is extremely important because attention applied produces accuracy and it produces force within the arrow. So you're thinking, okay, how does this all pertain to and how does this relate to my relationship with Jesus? I wanna start by saying this. It is impossible to live a life of faith and not deal with tension. If you're expecting to go through life or go through your relationship with God if you're new to Jesus and not feel tension, not feel stress, not feel strained, not feel pulled back, not feel stretched, it's impossible. And I think oftentimes in our relationship with, with Jesus, we, we, we quickly uh, define tension as rejection. I'm gonna explain what I'm talking about. For some reason, we quickly fall into the mindset that if things grow hard in my relationship with God or if God is delaying answers to my prayer, anybody been there before? 
you feel like your answer to prayer is being delayed, like, like God is not even in the ballpark of where your prayers are landing. Or if my journey with God gets challenging, then he must be rejecting me. Or I must have fallen into some sin. Or I have unforgiveness in my heart. Or we have this long list of things that start coming out of us. So we have these moments in our life where we, we say things like, God, listen, I, I want this new thing. I want it really bad. And if you give me this one thing, if you'll bring me this one person, if you'll do this deal for me, I'll never ask for anything again because once I get this thing, it'll, it'll be fine. We, we make deals with God all of the time. And when he doesn't come through for us in these moments, it creates tension. And we start thinking things like, sometimes you ever, you ever feel like you just go straight into a ditch? Like God doesn't do something for me, like, oh, he hates me. Like, there's, there's no other answer. He just hates me. He must not be real. Or, uh, I think he only gives good gifts sometimes. We start rationalizing all of these things like, oh shoot, maybe I sinned. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I should be ashamed of myself. I'm not worth him even giving me that thing anyways. I don't even know why I asked it. God, listen, I'm sorry. I asked for that thing. I won't do that again. Because after all, you don't do those kinds of things for me. You do those things for other kinds of people. These are the scenarios and the mindsets and the things that we play over in our minds. And I would just remind you in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, it says this. For after all these things that the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. I don't know if you understand this or not, but your asking doesn't all of a sudden notify God of the things that you need. It's not that the moment that you start asking, God's like, oh, finally, my creation that I created, that I, that I, that I did all these things for, because they've started asking, now I know the things that they need. No, actually, he knows the things that you need, but the tension is what happens when we're not getting those things that we need from God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 and 11, it says this, oh, what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, gives him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, who is, I mean, your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So what if instead of instantly thinking that God has bailed on us in these moments of tension and we feel like he's not answering us when we need him the very most, what if in those moments, instead of going to the ditch, we realize three things? And I'm gonna point out three things that I think we need to start realizing within these moments and how to live in tension and how to live when we're under tension and how to live when we're under stress and how to live when, we're, when we feel like we're being stretched to our limits. The first thing that I think that we need to realize is this. Maybe, just maybe, it's an outside shot, Maybe we don't have the character to steward the thing that we're asking God for. You're like, eh, that ain't me. I got character, bro. You're like, okay, well, how would I even determine if I have the character to steward the blessing of God well? So I'll ask you a couple questions that you can ask yourself. How well do you take care of the vehicle that you have? 
If you're asking for a new one, how clean is the one that you have? How, how well do you take care of the body that you live in right now? If you want more money, how are you stewing, stewarding the money that you already have? You want a new house. How do you keep the space that you live in now clean? How clean is it? How do you treat the people around you? Oh, I, want a, I want a wife, I want a husband, I want a girlfriend, I want a this. How well do you treat the people that are around you right now? Like, well, I really, really, really want to operate in a, in a super cool healing ministry, a, a great gifting and healing. How are you stewarding the gift that God has already put on the inside of you? Like, well, I want to preach and I want to lead and I want to preach in such a way that when I preach, bodies hit the floor. That God just crazy shows up and amazing things happen and people get saved. How well are you stewarding the anointing, the power of God that's already on your life? Now, I, I'm asking this and I'm saying these things from a place of not con condemnation, but uh, of just calling us up. Why should God give us more if he knows we aren't taking care of what he's already given us? I constantly have this conversation with my kids. I'm like, for the thousandth millionth time, stop leaving your bicycle where it doesn't go. It's not where you found it. In the front yard is not where you found your bicycle. I've literally gone to the extreme. Uh, I've done all kinds of things. I've taken it, put it in my truck, and just acted like somebody stole it for days. <laughs> like, I don't know. Shouldn't have left it where it wasn't supposed to be left. Somebody must have took it. I, sorry. Like, constantly we have these conversations, and I constantly, I've gotten them to this place where it's like, I'm not, as a dad that wants to give you so much, I'm not doing anything more for you because you're showing me that you won't take care of the thing that you're asking me for. That's not because I don't love them, it's because I love them. And we have to understand that even in, the, even in these moments with God, when we question why we don't have things, don't fall into the trap of God doesn't love me. Fall into the belief that God actually so loves me that he withholds some things because if I had the thing that I wanted, I wouldn't steward it well. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says this, if you're faithful in the little things, then you'd be faithful over the in the larger ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So we have to realize in the moments of tension that maybe, maybe God is tuning on our character. Second thing that I'd like to point out is this. In the moments of tension when we feel like We've, we've pressed into God or we've believed God for something or we feel like God is, is stretching us. We have to constantly make sure that our eyes are looking at Jesus. When tension is applied to our lives through delayed responses from God, if that's what you wanna call them, or when things get tough, there's three places that we normally look. We normally look at me, we look at them, and we look at it. We look at me. In a moment when God doesn't come through, we say, poor me. We fall into this victim mentality instantly in our relationship with God. It's like, God, why haven't you done this thing for me? Why are you withholding from me? Is it that I don't have this or that I'm not this? Or that I said this and I didn't say that? Why are you not doing this thing for me? Then we look at them. You ever looked at them? You're like, don't, don't ask me because I, I don't want to say yes. 
Well, God, God did it. You did it for them. <laughs> now I'm getting in agreement. You did it for them. Don't you know how they talk about their spouse? Have you seen the way that they parent their kids? Do you know, God, how they manage their money? And you did it for them, but you didn't do it for me. What's up with that, God? Let me look at it. You're like, we're so focused on it, the tension, the stress, the strain, the, the storm, whatever that is, it's like, we, we const- it's too big, it's too great, it's going to crush me. Or we shift to an object, it will do so much for me, God, if you'll just bring it to me. It will provide something for me that I, that I feel like I'm lacking in. It will, it will do things beyond what I can even describe. It's like a child that, that, that literally goes to Target every single time with her mom, and like, I just want this one thing, I won't ask anything until it's Christmas. And it's January 1st. I promise I won't ask for anything for the rest of the year. It's just the thing that will fix everything if I have it. It will make me happy. Would you look at it? It's so perfect. I need it in my life. And can I say this? Unless God gives it to you, it won't do for you what you think it will do. If you get it by way of another means other than God, it will have the opportunity and it will want to challenge God's position in your life. I think this is one of the other reasons that, that God says and knows that, that he's got to train us, and I believe that that's what God is doing. He's tuning us. He's tuning on our character. He's tuning on our ability to see Jesus because he knows if we don't, if we aren't tuned properly and if we're not, if we're not built properly in these moments, that once we obtain the thing that we're after, we'll actually forget about the blesser and we'll just choose to walk only in the blessing. And that is not the way that God set this thing up. God set this thing up to reward you and to give to you because he's a good dad. But it's never so that you go after the thing and forget about the relationship. The thing in and of itself can do nothing for you. It can't, it doesn't have any power. So unless it comes from God, it won't do the things that you believe it'll do for you. These are all unproductive places to look in these moments. I wanna jump into Hebrews chapter 12, verse one through two for, for a moment. It says this, therefore we also, since we're surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So I want you to understand, you're, you're actually in a race, you're on a journey. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, So he's showing us where our eyes have to be focused in this race. The author and the finisher of our faith, whom for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the the throne of God. And it's important that in the midst of feeling tension that we keep focused on Jesus. 
Just like in bow hunting, if I'm not focused where I want the arrow to go, I'll miss my intended target every single time. I've got to put my, my mind and I've got to put my eye on a target that I want to hit, and there's no difference in our relationship with, G, with, with God. It has to be that, that we're fixated on Jesus, that we're, that we're in pursuit and looking at Jesus in the middle of tension because he's the only stable thing that we could even depend on in these moments. The third thing that we have to realize is this. We have to realize this and we have to believe this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And sometimes in order to help you hit the mark that he has set before you to hit, he's going to pull you back before he launches you forward. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, you don't have this, but it says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's something in you that is great. I don't know if you know that or not. You're literally crafted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're, you're crafted and put together by the God of the universe. The Alpha and the Omega, the I Am. He created you. And so there's a purpose on every single one of your lives. And, and I believe that God is positioning us in such a way that, that though it feels like he's pulling us back and we may never get launched forward, he's putting you closer and closer to your right potential so that when he does launch you forward, you go forth and you actually perform the thing that he's sending you to perform. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. In Luke chapter 22, we see this interesting little dialogue between Jesus and Peter. Luke 22, verse 31, it says this, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. This is an interesting thing, and I could imagine what this was like for Peter. Jesus is like, hey, uh, hey Pete, can we, chat, can we chat for a second? So here's the thing. Satan came to me. He asked if he could put you through a little bit of a test to see if he could get your faith to fail you. In other words, he asked if he could cause some tension in your life to see if your faith would fail. Peter's probably like, and you said no, right? Peter's, Jesus is like, well, actually, I didn't say no. No, it says that I prayed, for your, I prayed for your faith that it shouldn't fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus didn't remove it. He didn't remove the tension. He didn't pull the plug on the pressure. He didn't say, Satan, you can't have this opportunity with Peter. You can't cause strain and stress in Peter's life. Why wouldn't Jesus do that? And why didn't Jesus do that? Because if you notice, it's all in the wording. Jesus said, when you have returned to me. Peter is the same Peter that after the, the resurrection of Jesus and after the Holy Spirit shows up, this is Peter who preaches and 3,000 are added to the church. And I believe that the reason that Jesus didn't pull the plug on it or remove this pressure or remove this tension and tell Satan, you can't sift Peter as wheat, 
is because he knew that in this sifting process, Peter's literally getting pulled further and further back so that when he's launched, he launches with such purpose, that he preaches with such precision, that 3,000 people hear the gospel of Jesus for the first time and they come to the Lord. We would rather just say, that's too much, that's enough, please don't do that. Jesus had a plan for Peter. And I think that we have to get into this place where we start reading scripture with our ears and our eyes opened. Because Jesus literally prophesies what's going to take place. He tells Peter ahead of time, I don't know if Peter was listening, he was probably talking because Peter was always talking. He says, when you return to me. Meaning Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that Peter was gonna get sifted and that Peter was gonna withstand the sifting process and he was going to return to Jesus and he was gonna strengthen the brethren. I would call adding 3,000 to the church strengthening the brethren. See, Jesus knew that there's something incredibly powerful in Peter and Peter's designed for something amazing and, and because of that and because I've put myself in Peter, that Peter's gonna go and he's gonna get tested, he's gonna get put under tension, he's gonna withstand the test and he's gonna come back to me because I have a plan and I have a purpose. And my plans and my purposes, they don't fail. And he's saying to you today, in the middle of your tension and in the middle of you feeling like you're getting pulled back, in the middle of you feeling like you're getting stretched at every single moment of every single day, don't lose sight of the fact that there's a plan and there's a purpose. You're created in the likeness and the image of God. You are the workmanship of Jesus. He knows everything about you. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows the things that you actually need him to do in your life. He knows what you're lacking. And I want you to understand as he's pulling you back, he's replenishing everything that you're lacking. We think that he's just pulling us back into this empty place. He's saying, I'm getting you ready to launch. That's what you need to hear today. Jesus is getting you ready to launch. Jesus is fixing to send you downrange. I want to close with this. Despite the tension that you feel like you might be under, everything that goes under tension becomes more accurate and it becomes more forceful. Everything, you think about a slingshot. Think about that rock and that slingshot. Think about that arrow in a bow. The further it's pulled back, the more damage it'll do. The further it's pulled back, the more precision it flies with. One thing that I didn't include a while ago is that in the physics talk, I didn't talk about momentum. When, you, when, you're, when you're building an arrow to hunt a big game animal, you have to build it with the right weight in mind. You consider the amount of tension that you're gonna put under the bow under. And you, you build an arrow, and, and the actual arrow, it weighs a certain amount of weight. But then you also, you, you put a broadhead that weighs enough that it, that it stabilizes and it balances, and then you add veins to the back because these veins, they, they direct the arrow. They, they steer the arrow in the air. So you build an arrow that has a lot of mass. See, because when you take mass 
and you take tension and you send it, it creates momentum. And momentum is the arrow's ability to hit what it's going after, to hit its target, and then to keep going. And I believe that God is creating momentum in you. He's tuning on you. He's adding things to you. He's adding the right weight. He's, he's adding the right character. He's adding the right things so that when he launches you, not only do you hit the intended target, but you're a force to be reckoned with. There's no other time than in my lifetime than ever before than right now when we need to be able to withstand things that are coming against us and keep going. The kingdom of God needs arrows that are tuned. That when they're released from the hand of God, they go forth, they perform the thing in which he sends them. I believe that that's you. And so I don't want you to despise the tension of God. We've got to learn to embrace the tension. Embrace the stretching. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus in the middle of these moments because I believe that you're getting closer and closer to being launched in such a way that not only will you be deadly accurate in your assignment that God has assigned to your life, but you'll go forth with such momentum that you'll be hard to stop. I wanna encourage you, don't resist and don't pull the plug too early on tension. It's a process that the Lord is, is under control. He's, he's, he's literally working things out for your benefit. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com. 